This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Well, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Courage Cast. This is Eric Nordoff, your humble host, humble brag host. <laughs> you introduced me to that term. I'm sitting here with Danny I Bryant. You yes, you did. I'm sitting here with Father Danny Bryant, Pastor Danny Bryant of St. Mary of Bethel Parishioner. I can't remember the name. Com. Dot com. No. What is Saint the, Mary. Saint Mary. Of Bethany. Of Bethany. Parish. Parish. Do you know who Saint Mary of Bethany is? Uh I just I know who Mary is, the mother of Jesus. She is. Right. She's and not, she not from Bethany. This is a different Mary. Different Mary. Right. So Lazarus yes. had a couple of sisters. Ah. Mary and Martha. They lived in Bethany. Bethany. Mm-hmm. Mary was always at the feet of Christ. Um in whatever she and Martha, doing? is this Martha and Mary? Martha and Mary. Yeah, got it. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we're named after Mary. Ah, why not Martha? St. Martha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is there a St. Martha? There is. Yeah. You, there's a St. Eric. You are. You are St. Eric. You, we're all saints. Yeah, we are all we saints are in Christ. Saints. Yeah. Um. So yeah, maybe we'll get to how that all happened yeah. later in the story. Man, we have so many layers to uncover today. Well, guys, uh, you can probably tell uh, Danny and I, I'm going to call you Danny. I, I feel weird calling you Father Danny. I'm going to call you my son. You can call that... me Saint Eric, actually. Saint Eric. Okay. <laughs> you can call me my son, my brother. Son. Well, my son. Whatever. Um, even though I'm older. Um, Danny is a friend. Uh, we go way back. Uh, I would say you're one of my besties. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we go way back uh, to uh, the early How 2000s. Many, like 2001? Uh, like 2000, 2001. Yep. Uh, when we first... I was married. You were just married. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To Rebecca. 14 years. And he's got uh, three awesome boys and uh, a little girl. Yeah. And uh, just uh, proud of you guys and grateful for your friendship. But uh, today, and I know your story a little... A lot, but um, specifically the one we're going to tell today, um, I think is really valuable for the courageous community to hear. Um, And and for anyone, and I'm going to set this up and then I'm going to dive into the story, but this is for anyone who has been uh, wounded by um, organized religion, potentially, Mm -hmm. or... Um, or unorganized or unorganized <laughs> is there really an organized um yeah. just dysfunctional beliefs anywhere from that spectrum to cult mm-hmm. uh status type environments or churches um anything that you've been involved in as a kid uh maybe you're currently involved who knows um it just we're going to dive into some deep stuff hopefully and and really kind of get raw with what your experience was mm-hmm. as a kid and how you even became a pastor yeah. uh, and started a church um, and all of that. So, uh, so Danny, why don't we start when you were born at a very young age? I was born at a very young age. <laughs> tell me, the, tell me your, your growing up years, your earliest memories, and specifically uh, what kind of family you were, you were raised in. Can I tell you my earliest memory? Please. 
Gilligan's Island bath toys. <laughs> the first thing I remember. Really? Yeah. What? Like the minnow? Uh, I just remember. I remember Gilligan, okay. the skipper. I think maybe the professor. I maybe have added that memory, but I remember. And my parents told me we got. I got that. What about ginger? Like, you didn't have ginger Christmas and Marianne. Was that gift? So okay. I probably played with it for a few years. But anyways, okay. after Gilligan, mm-hmm. that's that's when I realized, like, uh oh, things aren't okay. <laughs> my earliest memory is I love Lucy. Yeah. So so okay. Yeah, we were children of the eighties. Mm-hmm. A lot of TV. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, my parents. Um. This is part of the cult story. My my parents got married when my mom was 16. Wow. My dad was 23. Um, in the cult that I grew up in, you weren't allowed to date until you were 16, but you could get married the next week. Really? It wasn't a thing. So um, they would have never looked at each other outside of the walls of the cult, I don't think. And so... Um, so your mom's parents joined the cult, had been in it since she was born? Yeah. My my parents were born into it. Some of my grandparents were born born into it. My great grandparents joined it. And was it in um, California? Or it was in California with roots in the Midwest. Um, and so my parents got married um, when she was sixteen, and then I was born when. Uh, it, this is an amazing story. When my mom's kindergarten parent teacher conference, five years old. Oh wow! She, Wait. What? Okay, go ahead. Just, so my grandma went to my mom's five-year-old kindergarten parent-teacher conference, maybe six-year-old. Mm-hmm. And um, the teacher told my grandma that my mom had a crush on a boy named Brett. I think his name was Brett. And uh, the response from my grandma to the kindergarten teacher telling her about this like innocent little crush was, Oh no, Sherry's going to marry someone in our church. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> that gives you a little bit. Um, oh boy. Uh, and, and, and she t- was serious. And 10 years later she was, um, after kindergarten. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so I was born and only child to, um, my parents, my mom was 18 when she had me and, uh, just in a terrible situation with my dad. And mm-hmm. um, he was not, uh, uh, a healthy man and that okay and played she, out in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um and in a in a cult environment where it wasn't there was no safe space to say i'm married to an unhealthy mm-hmm. man or mm-hmm. have an unhealthy you must like what were some of the teachings of the cult that- so um doctrinally there's basically nothing in common with orthodox christianity mm-hmm. um the two biggest doctrinal issues are they taught that Jesus isn't God. And they taught us that we had to be morally perfect to be saved. Okay. Um, and not, you know, some some sects of Christianity will say you can be perfect on a good day or you can have this, like, next level existence. But this was, if you're not, always you are not saved. Always. Like, you will reach a place where you are living sinlessly. Um, and I think any... Any tradition that claims Jesus in any way that lowers him below God, you know, not to not believe in the Trinity, is basically setting itself up to be, on some level, based on achieving some level of goodness Mm -hmm. in order to be saved. And so I will give the cult credit. I think that that, you know, to have to be perfect is probably what that level is if you're going to not have a savior. Um but it was brutal and it sort of unleashed two kinds of people. Um, it was maybe those who knew we weren't perfect. And I, I 
thankfully I was in this group, but you just filled with self-loathing, mm-hmm. self-hatred because you, I f- constantly felt rejected by God mm-hmm. who I truly loved him, wanted to do good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but realistically <laughs> knew I was nowhere near perfect. Right. So just hated myself. Um, mm-hmm. and then, um, the other group thought they were, <laughs> Ah, that's which is more dangerous. Ooh, yeah. They, I know which one is less fun to be around. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's sort of these two dynamics, which again, like sort of unleashes this power structure. And so you put an 18 year old girl who's being abused, um, new mom, mm-hmm. no safe place. You've got to be morally perfect to be accepted by God, loved mm-hmm. by God, um, put her in a, an abusive relationship uh, where there are all these unspoken things and the, and just the things you're going to take on and then, and then put a, you know, a 25 year old man with significant mental health mm-hmm. issues, um, and give him a newborn and an 18 year old. I mean, it's just it's the recipe there's no for help. What, mm-hmm, what's mm-hmm. like, what, what's best case scenario. Yeah. So tell me, um, I, I I'd love to dive into eventually, uh, I want to. I want to ask you: How can a church? How can a cult get away with that if they're if they're using the Bible? And maybe they weren't. But but I also want to. Before that, I want to ask you: um, What kind of things did you experience as a young child then that that you saw or felt emotionally or? Yeah, I. So I bought in a hundred percent that I had to be perfect. And when you're a kid and you hear the word perfect, it doesn't really, you don't. And I, I, you know, honestly, the relationships I had there, it's probably not just as a child. Um, John Ortberg has a quote where he says, if we can't be perfect, we'll settle for being weird. Mm. Um, (laughs) and I think that this like oddness permeated everything. There were, you know, people who, um, the perfectionism, worked itself out in so many odd ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like down to the food some people ate. Like it's not it's not good. It's not perfect enough. Mm. Um is that why you like Whole Foods? I do know it's <laughs> the honey mustard dressing and the tortilla crisps. Uh so like I just a, a friend of ours, a really close family friend, I I sort of hesitate to even say this because I and I have a lot of affection for this family, but there was a family that they would not eat bread that was more than a day old and they would give their day old bread to my grandparents Mm -hmm. who lived around the corner. And it was purely because it's not good enough anymore. Uh And I think that was a energy is going to go somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the ways the like perfectionistic sickness expressed itself in that family was we don't eat bread. That's over a day. Right. That's Um, weird. It's weird. Right. Uh And so, um, for me, it like the cult leader would, he said one time this, and this is one of those things that I remember Mm -hmm. as significant that maybe nobody else even remembers. But, um, he said one time, like he would like to see our grades. Okay. And I was a first or second grader, Mm -hmm. uh, making straight A's cause like perfect. Maybe now Jesus will love me or, you know, and, and anyway, so my parents, part of that story, they were divorced when I was four, Mm -hmm. remarried each other when I was six. Okay. But, the perfectionistic stuff. Like I will make Jesus love me and I'll make my parents stay married and right. all that stuff. And I'll show the the leader who at that point I would have called our pastor, but I can't use that phrase about him anymore. Anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it just all got 
tangled in there. And I so, remember, I mean, contemplating, I wrote a suicide note at six years old mm-hmm. because I had won the principal's award mm-hmm. at my school. I was a first grader, won the principal's award at my school and um, um, it lost it. Oh, and I knew how much like pride my parents had gotten mm. in the, probably just appropriate pride, mm-hmm. but the things I was turning it into. And when I lost it, I was like, I can't go on. There's no way I can and see living. Yeah. Looking back now, it was all of like that, that award was assurance that I was accepted. You were accepted. And I think yeah. we, everybody knows some level of that story, but remember I, I was told stories by older people. Like when I was three years old, uh, there's a story of me saying in the church nursery for toddlers that when I grow up, I want to help. Um, the guy's name was Cornelius Mears, and we called him Brother Mears. Mm. Um, when I grow up, I want to help Brother Mears huh. as a three year old. So, like, there's this little boy part of me that's like, I'm, I was buying in. Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. And we had services four times a week. Uh huh. Whoa. Wednesday, Friday, twice on Sunday for about three hours. It wow. could be as short as two and a half. Were the kids in with the adults or was the, they have their they own? They could go either way. Mostly once you were past probably four, three or four, you were in except for maybe Sunday school. But three to three and a half hour services um, four times a week. So, I mean, in a worship setting, 12 hours a week, yeah. birth through when I left so the indoctrination, the brainwashing that takes mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a lot. We would sing songs. And the idea was if we get everyone singing the same song for like eight to 30 minutes um, and we all get on the same, wa- same wavelength, then the Holy spirit can come in and oh, because gosh. we have unity and mm. that's when the magic, so you had to keep when the magic happens. You had to keep singing the same song. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess we could have not, but but, but everybody else was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, interesting. Uh, was this, uh, would you consider this like a charismatic environment? It was Pentecostal. It came out of the Pentecostal movement in the early 1900s hundreds when um, sort of the gifts of the Spirit began happening in America. Kind of like the same time the Foursquare Gospel. Right. So the formed. Assemblies of God who believe in the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um separated from the United Pentecostal church, mm-hmm. which does not they believe in a form of something called oneness Pentecostalism, which does say Jesus is God, but mm-hmm. not in the Trinitarian way. Um, when the assemblies of God and the UPC split from each other and actually formed, some guy heard a voice saying they're both wrong. And, um, I'll tell you the truth. It's always some guy. It's hearing always a some voice. guy hearing a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, Often probably a well-meaning person. Typically. Um, and I have no idea if this guy was well-meaning or not. Right. But it did not end well. Yeah. So it started the... Can you say the denomination that you were... They were never a denomination. They or, uh, called themselves the Gospel Assemblies. Okay. Think, Are they still around? the Body of Christ. They're, they exist. Uh-huh. But I have like sort of a sign of my health as I know less about them than I ever have. Uh-huh. Um, Cause so, there wasn't when we were first, I mean, you were what I was in or, it when we met, I was still, in you it. was still in it. Really? Yeah. Like when you were married, you were still in yeah. it. Yeah. You get married in that church. I didn't. Okay. I, um, 
leaving for me was a 12 year process, probably longer than 12 years. But in eighth grade, my parents saw me not thriving mm-hmm. in the homeschool cult uh, of this. program. Mm-hmm. And it's a very small world. And so I was an only child. We weren't really allowed to play sports or to be into anything that the leader wasn't into. Mm-hmm. When I was 10 years old, I was offered a sideline pass to go to the Rose Bowl to watch USC in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents, when I told them I was invited, told me, you have to go ask Brother Mears mm-hmm. if you can go. And I remember being 10 and just thinking, like, we, we all know what he's going to say. Like, right. This, you know, and, um, but again, so three hour services, probably on a Wednesday. You never or, went to the game. Well, on a, on a Wednesday or Friday night at about 10 o'clock at night, I had to go talk to this 60 year old man who mm-hmm. looked like Mr. Burns mm-hmm. from the Simpsons. And, uh, <laughs> good visual. Thank I'm, you. Yeah. It's an important piece of the story. Um, and I asked him, uh, if I could go and it had been a really hard year. And he knew that like mm-hmm. my grandma had died. My parents had been, been remarried for like three years. She died of cancer. Like it was a great day to like give a kid a break, let yeah. him go to a football game. And he told me as a 10 year old boy, um, the Bible says to follow your leaders as they follow Christ. And I don't go to sporting events. So, um, no, you can't go. Wow. And I remember getting in the car and my parents asking like, what did he say? just being pretty angry. Like, you know what he said? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, let's just not talk about it. So, uh, anyways, like taking that to the homeschool cult tutorial or whatever it was called. Um, it wasn't called a tutorial, but I was just miserable. And I think like I watched homeschool videos and, um, they walked by my door one time and heard me saying to the video, you never call on me. (laughs) (laughs) I was writing a sports newspaper instead of doing sixth and seventh grade and selling it to people. <laughs> in the I found an invoice a few years ago that somehow I had. Kept. Seriously? Yeah. Uh, Good for you. So uh, they knew I wasn't thriving and I'm so thankful they did that. It was such an important decision. They put me in a, in a Christian school mm-hmm. called Western Christian in Claremont, California. Um, I don't know. We haven't even talked about that piece yet. And, um, I started meeting Christians and started realizing that the people that this group, this group said all other Christians were wrong and deceived and the harlot of Babylon and all these things. And I started meeting them and realized they're not right. And they're actually more like Jesus than anybody I've ever met. Right. So what does that mean? Mm -hmm. That was 1991. And I left in 03, met Rebecca in year 11 of the 12. Mm Mm-hmm. And told her, I go to a terrible church. Um, I had seen some literature on cults. Right. I was so brainwashed. I had seen some literature on cults. And I was like, oh, huh. Like, it's a cult. But mm-hmm. so I guess the true church is supposed to look like a cult. Oh, geez. And that was the year before wow. I met Rebecca. And I met her. I was like, go to a terrible church. But I think I can help people there. Mm-hmm. So I still go. Mm-hmm. And I went to other churches to like learn and be fed. But I thought maybe I could help people. And you can't. No. You got to leave cults. Right. And the, the best way to help people People didn't start really leaving until people started leaving. <laughs> Did your, at this point, you were like in your early 20s. Yeah, I was 20, gosh, 23, 24. 24 is when I got married. So left in 03. I left when I was 25. So I've only been out 13 years. Yeah. Uh, so you... Um did your did your parents leave first? We sort of left around the same time, kind of for different reasons. We were all on different um, spectrums. I 
I said earlier, my parents, like they remarried each other when mm-hmm. I was six, but then they got divorced again when I was 25, mm-hmm. um, that first year of marriage. And so they were in a position to be leaving. My dad was never all in. He was mm-hmm. all in, in terms of being controlled and put in a state of fear around who God was mm-hmm. and how God would act towards us if we weren't perfect and didn't keep all the rules. If we weren't weird, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like wouldn't let me go to a football game because a man would say, you know, I mean, if like, right. Like right. I'm a pastor. Like if some kid came to me and was like, can I go to the football game? I was like, buddy, like you, that is none of my business. Have right. Fun. Right. Right. Um, and so, um, my dad, uh, what was I saying? Um, was controlled by it. Help me out. I got, I got, yeah. You were just there. saying that your dad was, was, half in already yeah i never really never really in i think that he was in the self-hatred group mm-hmm. um and my mom too like there's just this we were a group that didn't we never thought we were perfect right you um, were never going to be enough right? we were never going to be enough mm-hmm. and so my mom would talk about um like just never believing she would go to heaven mm-hmm. and um and never feeling good enough and like wanting to be. And my mom would say a lot, we were always told we're so special to know these things, but like nobody had any joy. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just a, a group that even the ones who thought they were perfect, like there, there wasn't joy. There mm-hmm. was, um, a lot of gosh, um, posturing mm-hmm. and a lot of, um, you know, I don't know, just a, like a lot of, what is the word? A lot of faking for? it. Faking it, like fake it to make it, kind of thing. Right. Where, which on some level I believe in, because they were probably pre- they were probably preached at to to fake it. Yeah, if you don't right? feel it, right? Exactly. And um, yeah, I think AA says that, and mm-hmm. like I think in that context, it is something good right. when you're being told to be broken and like sobriety, but when you're being told to be perfect, mm-hmm. faking it is deadly, right? Literally, and so. Um, so, so what kinds, so I, I just have to ask, I got to ask this question. Yeah. Who do you blame or who did you blame? Where was your, you were angry. <laughs> See, that's a great way to say do and, and did. And did. Yeah. Um, at what stage, I guess. Just maybe who, like when you realized this is not for you, like yeah. when did you start blaming at what age did you start? So that my first memory of like, I don't know, was the, um, was the football game, USC, Michigan, 1989, yeah. I think yeah. was the game. <laughs> um, like I, I remember looking at him and just knowing I can't do anything about this now, but it's not over. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, I get the dynamics um, again, I grew up in a house where my dad, just a lot, again, mental illness. Um, and so childhood for me was very much, uh, dodging landmines and every word I said could be disastrous. And every word my mom said could be disastrous. Like we just had to, we were constantly walking in tightrope. And so I think even as a nine year old, I knew like, here's a situation I can speak into. Here's one I can't, but if I'm patient, I'll get another shot. Mm. Um, and so I remember thinking, okay, like 
lost the battle, but this war is far from over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's odd about that is... So you had this confrontational relationship Confrontational relationship. Parents? What's interesting, too, is my grandpa was sort of... Um, and this is a an odd cult dynamic. I think for a cult to be successful, uh, you need a voice that appears to be a naysayer that isn't really. Okay. I think my grandpa played this role of when people would make the allegation, you can't think outside of the box here. Mm -hmm. My grandpa was an example of, yes, you can look at brother Jerry. Mm -hmm. I think what, I don't even think they were aware of these dynamics. So kind of making excuses or just like my grandpa read books okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? like and studied history. And he was sort of a, like, <clears throat> even if it was self-proclaimed, the church historian. And so he, he was this role that would tell us like, I've studied Martin Luther and I've studied um, John Chrysostom and I've read what they have to say and we have the truth. Mm. Um, and so he, he like my grandpa would go to ball games, uh-huh. um, and would do things that were outside of the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was somebody that the leadership could point to, like, see, you do have freedom. Mm-hmm. Now that being said, he was as brainwashed as anybody, mm-hmm. and was a f- you know card carrying cult member. Um, but I think one of the things that's amazing about humanity and hope and you know courage and those things is like his little sliver into speaking against it led to my mom and she's got two brothers one they've all left at this point um at different stages but my mom and her youngest brother were more willing to say i don't think so Mm -hmm. and then i came along and was very willing to say i don't think so sure ironically but the weird the weird tandem of that was i always had this tender heart toward god and so as a six-year-old i'm thinking you know love me but i love you what do i do with that Mm -hmm. um but i had this permission i think from generations of being the family that could speak up about things Mm -hmm. and you can there's this legend in the cult that one time a man was going to hit the leader and there was an earthquake Mm -hmm. and the leader would tell that story and i think when i left pretty blaming and angry i was a 25 year old right like it's a prime time to be angry yeah um there was this element of like look no earthquakes you know Uh and i wasn't punching anybody physically but i was i was uh popping people yeah verbally verbally and And there were no earthquakes and Mm -hmm. my life was actually going great Mm -hmm. um like and my god is blessing this move in my life i was one of the first Definitely other people did this. I'm not the only, but one of the first that I knew of to leave for spiritual reasons. It Mm -hmm. wasn't so many people when you're told you have to be morally perfect or there's no salvation. It's like, well, screw it. I mean, (laughs) right. What's the point? (laughs) What's the point? And I think there was this group of people that left around the time I did. I mean, I think we were some of the first to say, no, we're leaving for spiritual reasons. Mm -hmm. We believe we can know Jesus and love Jesus better in another context. And that, to my knowledge had never really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so like at that point, I mean, I, the blaming part of it, I don't know that I've ever been asked that. Um, definitely the leadership when I really started waking up to things and really even that as a nine year old, like this is crazy mm-hmm. um, that we can't do this. There's nothing like sports are amoral. Right. They, they can be used for, you right. know, and, um, 
we weren't allowed. I mean, this is not that uncommon. Like we weren't allowed to go to movies. We mm-hmm. weren't allowed to wear, it was Pentecostal. So like long sleeves, mm-hmm. women had to wear dresses and long mm-hmm. sleeves and put mm-hmm. their hair up and not wear makeup. And I remember like sitting in the car and hearing my mom vent about how stupid those rules were. And I'm not a venter who doesn't do things about, and neither was my mom. Like she, she was really brave and like did things to confront and to show the hypocrisy of um, the system. And I think I just sort of took that ball and ran mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. So I blamed the leadership, I think rightfully. Um, and I would say at, at 25, I blamed the leadership rightfully, but with no compassion, just mm-hmm. sheer like, Anger. This has been coming. You know, right. you should let me right. go to that. Should have let me go to that game. Damn football game. <laughs> I could have avoided a lot of problems. Um, but uh, it's you remind. <laughs> what this reminds me of is like like a young. Forgive this, but like a young Hitler. Like um, if this was like Hitler coming of age. In the opposite way. The op- like, I hope, yeah. Maybe but, but, we could. But, you yeah. know, have you ever seen, like, when I was a kid, I remember there was, like, a movie about Could, Hitler as a kid. Let's just stop for a second. Okay. Eric is from Germany. So. Yes, I have permission to talk like this. <laughs> this is why we don't all have a lot of German friends. Right, right. But, um, no, it's like, I, I just picture this young, like, that was the seed of anger yeah. planted yes. at that USC moment where you didn't get to go. No wonder why you're a UCLA fan. Now you're a UCLA fan. By the way, I never get phone calls on this number, and I'm getting a. Is it a question? Are are we live? We are live. (laughs) Oh, is somebody calling in? Cornelius. Oh, let's take the call. He's he's angry. He's persistent, isn't he? He's calling from beyond the grave. He's a persistent bugger. Let it go, Cornelius. Yes. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of what I picture. Is like that. That was the the seed. So I'm asking you about blame because so much of it is, I guess there's stages to healing. And what I'm trying to get at is, uh, what are the, you know, what are the stages you have to go through and, and, uh, and blame is one of them where you start to, you start to, uh, shift the blame onto other people because you don't know what else to do with it. So, yeah, I think that. The blame probably up to the point when I was actually able to leave was a lot of self-inflicted blame. Mm-hmm. This is because I'm not perfect. This is because yeah. you know, I would lay in bed as a teenager. Um, teenage boy is not a great thing to be when you think you have to be perfect. Right. And so I just lay in bed um, and really wrestle like nightly with, am I just going to quit? Because I know I can't be perfect. I really care about this person <laughs> meeting Jesus. Mm-hmm. All I do is hurt him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to have the sort of the integrity to say, I'm just going to stop hurting you. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow would every time come to like, no, I really love you. And I want another chance, mm-hmm. which is like, it's an abusive relationship. Sure. Right. Um, but that's the dynamic. And so the blame was self. Mm-hmm. And if like, if I can just get over this. And then I think when that shifted, it was like, this guy has done this to me. Right. And then, so then the blame, I think, goes to the other adults. Mm-hmm. Um, Your parents? Parents, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, the age of my mom is such an important part of that. Like, she was a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, 
so there's always been compassion there and understanding like, geez, I mean, the situation she was put in just being an 18 year old mom and then with this husband and the divorce and, um, no education, of course, is mm-hmm. not encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, gosh, I think the first person in my family hmm. to get a college degree. Wow. Um, and then my mom was the second. She went to college um, and got a degree. And so um, the blame for my parents, I think that's been a, a more recent thing. Um, just I, I'm 38 and I remember um, this this more with my dad than my mom. When I think of when I think of my mom's age at different stages in my life, like she's 36 when I graduated high school. Yeah. I mean, crazy. right. It's mm-hmm. just crazy. So, but my dad, like his, I remember when he was 38 and he, my dad was pretty, um, pretty big guy. And he had the, um, the Al Roker surgery. Oh, did he? Like the, the, the stomach, thing. stomach stapling. Yeah. And he lost like for his high school reunion, he lost like 200 pounds and like started laying out in the backyard in a speedo. Oh no. But like, I, like this thought. year was my high school reunion and 20 year reunion and mm-hmm. I'm 38 and I was like, holy cat like what was happening with dad <laughs> because i have no temptation to go anywhere in a speedo but right. much less like lay out it was more common back in the we were in southern 80s, california yeah. but so i think like there's this new place of it's hard so one of the things we didn't talk about was like sexual abuse was rampant mm. in this culture and we learned that later um but there's this part of me now where it's kind of like where were the 38 year olds? Where mm. were the, cause I, you know, I've got to make hard decisions and stand mm-hmm. up to things in my kids' lives. And it's really hard to understand why the adults didn't protect us. Right. Um, some of it was ignorance and some of it was trust in a system that wasn't actually protecting. Right. But that still for me is a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. Um, try to be compassionate in it. Family stuff is really hard because it was so traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great, it's a graphic novel called Mouse, M-A-U-S, back to, mm-hmm. back to, back oh, another to Hitler. Hitler. It mm-hmm. all comes back to Hitler. So the cats in this graphic novel are the Germans. Oh, and great. And mice are the Jews. And okay. um, the 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 dog, the Americans are dogs, of course, <laughs> right? Like it's the, well, the Spaniels. Yeah. And so, but the what the graphic novel, it won a Pulitzer Prize. It's a two-piece. Two um, it shows how difficult relationships are for survivors and children of survivors Mm. and the kind of person and the kind of grit and the kind of tenacity that it can't, that, that it takes to survive trauma Mm -hmm. often doesn't lend itself to healthy relationships. Right. (laughs) And so it's a, it's a beautiful work, but I think with aunts and uncles and with parents and with cousins and like people that I deeply love, it's so hard to have, it's so hard to just communicate about like, how do you talk about the weather when you've been through that together? Right. How do you not talk about that? We all remember it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really tough piece of this moving forward where we all love each other. Mm-hmm. I think we all know that, mm-hmm. but we all are sort of aware. I talked to an, uh, a relative about Thanksgiving yep. and um, there's just an awkwardness about it that um, I think we both feel. Mm-hmm. Um but there's two with, you know, I've got four kids and a wife and a job and a community that I care for. Um, I don't have the emotional space to 
work things out with my uncle. Right. (laughs) And then like, and that's, let me say this, like that's one of my favorite things about believing in Orthodox and true Christianity is um, the the resurrection of Jesus means that I have eternity to work Mm -hmm. through these things with them. Yes. So we can have healthy boundaries now knowing um, someday all things will be new and I will be healthy enough to have this conversation with Mm -hmm. you and you will be healthy enough to have this conversation with me. And maybe we should talk about it then. (laughs) (laughs) Or is that just procrastination, Danny? Are you putting it off? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, but no, I mean, uh, I'm joking, but um, no, it's, it's true. And that's a, that is a redeeming thought. That's a, that's a a grace filled thought Mm -hmm. that that, uh, there's, again, you can go the route of perfection. Oh, I've got to fix this now. Yeah. And if I don't, then my status with Jesus is somehow. Right. And I think there's something to be said about what age we were when we left the cult. Uh Uh-huh. Because I started going to um, school with other people Mm -hmm. outside of that group when I was in eighth grade, my world got bigger fast. Yep. And I started to have relationships outside of that group. When I left, my closest community had already become other people. Right. And so I had a pretty, in that, in that way, I think weaving for me was easier mm-hmm. probably than anyone. Cause right. I think I had the most friends mm-hmm. on the outside. Can mm-hmm. I tell you a quick story about the word outside? Yes. We played basketball one time. This is amazing. We, one Thanksgiving morning we played football and at the end of a Thanksgiving football game, I said, why don't we pray mm-hmm. and just, you know, like, let's How be old thankful. Were you? Uh, 24. This is like my last year. Okay. Let's just pray and um, say, thank you, God. It's Thanksgiving (laughs) and we all go to church together. (laughs) We're not splitting the atom. Like this is not like, you know, civil rights movement, like, and, uh, or controversial stuff. And I was told by, um, an adult man there, probably five to 10 years older than me, brother Mears didn't say we could pray. Oh, jeez. Um, and then that, that same person a few years before, we were playing basketball and I brought a friend from school Mm -hmm. and uh, there was like a little physical thing, um, which I was not innocent in. But the, when, when this person left the gym, um, he like sort of yelled to the room, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not playing with outsiders anymore. Oh my gosh. You've seen <laughs> Oh my god. Like the others from Lost. Yeah. Um I'm not gonna play with the others anymore. The others, yeah. So I mean it was like that's how sort of some of the ways it practically manifested wow. itself. But because I had so many contacts on the outside, <laughs> it wasn't lonely from that standpoint. A lot of the people like but I was twenty three and I had been leaving for twelve years and I immediately had community. Right. Um some people who left, there's people still leaving. Mm-hmm. Um some of them who left like had no friends other than that place sure, and had abandoned all family and abandoned, like it, it, it became the most important thing in your life. So mm-hmm. one of the things we didn't talk about was this, I was born in Southern California mm-hmm. when I was a freshman in high school, the leader told 400 people to move to California and crazy stuff like California was going to fall into the sea. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, we moved here. Moved I moved Tennessee. here the, like the week that the David Koresh stuff was happening. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 1993 and, or so. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, we had this news channel in our school every morning called channel one. This is like the first time most of us met Lisa Ling and Anderson Cooper. And, uh, 
they're like showing David Koresh and this, I think that they moved from California to Waco or he was from Southern California or something. Right. Right. But I remember kids like sort of looking at me and like looking at the TV and looking at me cause I had moved to mm-hmm, Tennessee with mm-hmm. a church group and right. uh, it was a little socially awkward, but yeah. Um, <laughs> what told, did you do at that moment? Were you like, don't uh, look at me. That was crazy. Like, I, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Can't believe that's that happening. Nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, guns and fire. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my cult leader would, we don't have any guns. <laughs> Come on guys. It's <laughs> just too crazy. <laughs> um, and so, uh, like for a man to have that much control over our lives to say, you're moving to Tennessee and mm-hmm. for us to all say like, okay, mm-hmm. um, did most, he move with you? He did. Okay. And why do you think he did it? I think for several reasons, one of which is he was suffering from dementia. I think for years, his mind was, um, was losing its, its edge and, no one would say anything. Like one of the ways I got in trouble was I would say, Hey, have you noticed like for the last two months, he's said the same thing every time he's talked Mm -hmm. and like, should we like look into that? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was told, um, that Saul, that David didn't kill Saul and you're not supposed to lift your hand against God's anointed. And I was like, I don't want to kill him. (laughs) Like I just want to see if maybe like, there's a compassion in telling people the truth. Sure. Um, that compassion was not welcome. No. And so I was this like, and I wasn't wow. a punk kid. My, my senior year of high school, I won the senior superlative best Christian attitude. Like I was known for, for you. being nice and friendly and mm-hmm. all of these things. But there, How, what I was happened to you since kids, then, Danny? I know, it's so sad. <laughs> I blame so many people. No, but... Uh, it's funny that we can laugh about. I mean, we're laughing. Yeah. Do you think laughing is just kind of a a way of oh man therapy? If I had not had a sense of humor, um, it would have not ended well. Yeah. Yeah. It's been one of your best coping mechanisms. Yeah. Humor very early and dark humor. Dark humor. Um, yeah. There's no. Um, I don't think I have a lot of uh, illusions about. Uh, this world being much like Disney. Mm. Um, but I've seen God's love and protection, um, in every step. And I more and more am able to look back at what he protected me from and where he was in those places, in some of the darkest places. Yeah. Um, did you, he was there and protecting a part of me, um, mm -hmm. from, but this is a good time, I think, to tell this story. My 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 son Andrew, I, I tell my kids that I was in a cult, like when they're basically like seven or eight. I think I give them some version of it, and um, who knows what Pax will say. But uh, my first son Joshua was kind of like, huh, like that's that's interesting, uh-huh. you know. Um, <clears throat> and uh, he is a member of the Courage community. Is he? He is. Yeah. He, he listened on the way to school this morning. Yeah. I'm so proud. Uh, I got to get him. <laughs> for Joshua. That was for Joshua. Um, Shout out to you, yeah. Joshua. Give me a, give me <laughs> we, a like. We a... sing the anthem every time we say the word courage at Good. our house. Ah. Oh. <laughs> we call it Butter's song. <laughs> I oh. might mix it in. Yeah, please. Whenever do. you say that. Um, but I told Andrew and he was probably seven and Andrew is, um, he's a spark plug and he, um, I was telling him, buddy, I was in this, I was in this 
group and this guy told us what we could wear and he told us if we could go on vacation and where we went on vacation. He told some people what color carpet they could have, how long their hair could be. And I was like, he was in charge of our life and was controlling and, um, and my son goes, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I know what it's like to hate that guy. Yeah. And I like started crying oh. and just said, buddy, like, don't. Um, he was also a dad and he was also a husband and mm-hmm. he was a son. And there were so many things he was other than my cult leader. <laughs> uh, but I like know the prison of hating that man mm-hmm. and like not wanting to hand that off right. to my kids. And so like the freedom of like God protected that part of me Yeah, to yeah. say like, I, you know, I don't know. It's, I think this is an interesting point. This is a side note, but even right now in the climate politically and whether our enemy is a Republican or a Democrat, Democrat or Donald Trump or whoever, Hillary Clinton, um, just the importance of having compassion for every other human. Mm -hmm. Because if we, if we can't have compassion for Donald Trump or my cult leader or anyone, like we're giving away the part of ourselves that can have compassion for anyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just, that's right. We're actually, it's all allowing that person to, uh, to control us. Forgiveness is the only way out of prison. And, Mm -hmm. and, and that being said, like forgiveness, I don't like the guy. I like forgiveness for me. And the cult leader is, I hope you're not in hell and, um, you were a person. Mm. And other than that, like, I would like to punch you in the face. (laughs) Um, you know what I'm like? It's all in there. And, and like, and I would say even forgiveness for me is like probably 29 out of 31 days. Uh I hope he's not in hell. And there are days where I'm like, I I hope hope you suffer forever for what you did to us. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not, forgiveness is not. Um, everything's fine and we can, you know, right. go to a, go to the Rose Bowl together. Uh, <laughs> there's those, it's so important, especially with people who have been abused and undignified mm-hmm. and robbed of humanity. Um, <laughs> like you, forgiveness is not permission to keep treating you poorly. I want one of the most powerful quotes I've heard is the first step of forgiveness is not letting the pe- person treat you that way anymore. Mm-hmm expecting a level of behavior from that person to say, you can't do this to me. Right. And if you can't be in a relationship with me where you don't do this to me, then Mm -hmm. we can't be in a relationship and that's okay. I'll learn that boundary. Um, but forgiveness is not all blue skies and rainbows. Right. Yeah. Together. Right. It's not, um, even, a a Disney version of forgiveness. Right. It's, it's not a a, a fairy tale. No, there's a lot of hard, hard work. Moment by moment work, mm-hmm. um, to keep the compassion for him. And so that, that I, and then I, I'm all over the place, but another piece of that, like telling my son, Andrew, he told us where we could go on vacation, if we could go on vacation, what kind of clothes we could wear. Um, when you give somebody those little permissions in your life and you build up the habit of your heart to just submit to this man, no matter what, how ridiculous his rules are, when you give away the little things, you're on the path to giving away the bigger things. Wow. So in a cult, you know, well, you have to wear this or you can't wear this or you have to go there. Or you can't go there. Um, turns into move to Tennessee. It's your only hope of salvation. And you are in the habit of your heart is to obey this person. Sure. And so when it becomes outlandish, it's still your instinct. Mm. Um, and then the, the cult dynamic is um, the, we were all connected 
even if it wasn't spiritually, we were connected socially. Everybody was cousins or were cousins because, um, was cousins? Everybody was cousins. What were cousins? Were cousins? Were, was cousins? That's a tricky one. There's a yeah, lot a going plural, on grammatically. Yeah, a lot of English, well, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, if I'm not perfect, God won't love me. We yeah, have to figure this out right now. Uh, so, <laughs> pause the tape. Um, so, uh, but you, you, I, as far as I know, no one who was blood relatives, who were blood relatives, <laughs> married each other. Um, but we were all connected by marriage. <laughs> really? And um, it was such a small world. And so you then like everybody's family by marriage. And then um, you had this like economic structure where there were investors, there were developers, oh there were builders, mm. there were construction workers. All the insiders. All the insiders in this pecking order economically of like, you don't have to go to college. You can hang drywall <clears throat> for this guy. You can paint for this guy. And then you enter. It's like Appalachia where it's like, you can't pay the bills. You, like, we're not going to give you money. We're just going to give you like bills to pay in the company store. Like, cause you keep people poor and dependent on the system. And then mm -hmm. coal is gone and there's no wealth built up. There's no wow. security. It was that kind of economic system where you couldn't really get wealthy unless you were wealthy. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Another kind of trickle down economics. And so, um, you had people stuck, but then again, so like we moved to Tennessee and the people who did have good jobs out there, it was, it's easier to get a job in California at that point, at least I haven't lived there for 25 years, but, um, a lot of people didn't have college degrees, but they had gotten into work mm -hmm. and had decent jobs. They moved back here and they lost them. So people became poor and depressed and, um, didn't have degrees and, um, weren't like sought after workers and um they so desperately wanted approval and approval to please. and their only friends were right. in this group and they had left their families because they had the hidden truths that nobody on the we haven't even talked about some of the more quirky eccentric truths i mean it's not that uncommon for people to believe in moralism and deny the trinity um but there were these they were packaged in such we know something nobody else knows right and pride we're, we're the hope of the world right um hmm. And, uh, I remember a little boy when I was like five or six years old, he told me he had been at church mm -hmm. and I was like, well, I didn't see you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause as far as I knew, like we were, it. we were the only one, um, mm -hmm. it was us and the Catholics. And so, um, yeah, it, it, it was just this social, economic, spiritual family dynamic. So when he said, we're moving to Tennessee, you knew there's, there's more than just my connection with God going to Tennessee. It's everything in my world is moving. So my parents probably were not as motivated by spiritual reasons. I don't think my parents, I mean, if they had the, they did, they, they'd had the courage to put me in a school. Uh, uh, courage sorry. community. Um, they had the, the, um, fortitude to put me in school, uh, <laughs> encourage. Um, they were willing to think outside the box spiritually, but I think when their community was moving here, mm -hmm. um, and I thought we should move here. I mean, I, I, you know, um, wanted to go back every chance I got, but mm -hmm. I thought we probably had to move here because the cult did. Yeah. So what, what, what made you choose the denomination that you're in? Because sometimes I, I, I look at you, you come out of a, a very orthodox, you're in a very, I guess, orthodox Christianity. Yeah. Uh, um, a lot of people would say it's, um, 
there's 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 also a lot of rules and it seems like it from the outside or old school yeah. structure structure yeah. structure so why why are you there what what made you choose that so let me briefly get us there yeah get so, us there um while still in the cult i was hired um to be a a coach and a teacher at Christian schools in Nashville. And that was a really important part of me leaving the cult in a healthy way. I was a Bible teacher at an elementary school and teaching. That's when I met you. That's when we met and teaching the Bible to little kids gave me something I didn't get as a kid. I was, I was um, studying to teach kids. And I think I was getting um, filled with God's love Mm -hmm. and God's truth. And like, transmitting it to children and breaking it down for them was nourishing me in such a beautiful way. Um, so redemptive and then coaching, um, high school basketball and in softball. Um, but when I immediately, like the first church out of the cult was Belmont church, Mm -hmm. um, in Nashville, which is a charismatic church at that point, leaving a Pentecostal cult, the most important thing to me was, um, the gifts of the spirit needed to be in the community that I was in. And so we went to Belmont for three years, good experience, like great people, still friends with a lot of people from Belmont. Um, had our first kid there and just really good place. Thankful for that time. Um, you gave birth at the church. Um, no, I'm just kidding. In the, yeah. Um, I'm not going to go down that road. Uh, so be, that's sorry to break our normal uh, cycles to keep this time. Uh, so, but then I started listening to Tim Keller, mm-hmm. um, and I was listening to probably 10 Tim Keller sermons a week. Um, he is so good at explaining the wonder of grace and what Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus accomplished, which is the two biggest lies I was told in the cult that Jesus was somebody else. And he didn't mm-hmm. frankly accomplish a whole lot because mm-hmm. I had to still be perfect. Um, and, um, I was just falling in love with Jesus and so grateful, like 20, however many years of thinking I had to be perfect, falling off of me pretty dramatically and like, Oh wow, it's paid for. Mm -hmm. Jesus did this Mm -hmm. entirely. We say every week in the liturgy in the Anglican liturgy that, um, there's one time, um, sufficient sacrifice, all sufficient. Um, that was amazing. I had never heard that. Um, there's a Stephen Curtis Chapman song where it says, uh, he loves me just as I am, not as I do. Mm. Could this be real? Could this be true? Mm. And I remember being in high school or just thinking, man, I wish it was. Mm-hmm. It's too bad. It's not too bad. <laughs> I have the secret knowledge, but it says it's not. Yeah. Um, that's just so, so weird. But so falling in love with Tim Keller's teaching, we were like, we should probably go to a PCA church, Presbyterian church in America. That's what Keller is. Um, because you and Rebecca both Rebecca were being ministered mm-hmm. to by, by and again, this. loved Belmont, but the, the PCA church, um, that denomination that Keller is in is, is excellent at making sure every week it's pretty much the same message. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Christ and him crucified does a very good job of that. We were in the PCA. So Belmont was like, Oh, three to Oh, five. And then we went to a church called Christ community, another mm-hmm. great Nashville church. A lot of good friends still there. Um, and, uh, we were there from, Oh, f- like January of Oh six through, um, 2010 and, um, was really happy and like started looking for jobs in that denomination. And, but I was a teacher and I was asked to be on staff at an Anglican church in Nashville called church of the redeemer. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught the 
kids of the pastor there and he and I are friends. And, mm-hmm. um, he asked me if I'd consider being on staff at an Anglican church. I had no, like no desire whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I had no affinity for liturgy. I had no affinity for like crossing myself mm-hmm. or the word father or, um, <clears throat> white robes. And we went and we were like, man, we love this community. We had a lot of friends there. We love, um, Thomas, who was my boss there. And it was just like, I just can't do it. And even if I could go here, I thought, I think I got to the point where I was like, I could go here, but I could never, um, I mean this very crudely and this violates everything I believe about the church. I said, like, I could never like sell this stuff. I could mm. never stand up there with conviction in a white robe, mm-hmm. um, convincingly. And so, um, but like slowly, but surely it ended up that that's where we were going to work. And, um, <laughs> I was the only candidate for that. Anyways, that's all that doesn't need to be talked about, but ended up at an Anglican church on staff and really thought like, well, I'll get ordained in this denomination. Um, and then I'll be whatever I want to be. (laughs) Which, When you leave a cult, it's hard to break the habits of like, eh, I can leave. If I can leave a cult, I can leave (laughs) any religious movement probably Sure, um, been down that road. So, Mm -hmm. um, and really, like for eight months, first eight months in that job, maybe less. I, I don't know. I think it was about eight months, like August to like February, I think, whatever that is. Um, really didn't resonate with it. I liked the church. I liked the people. I enjoyed working there. It was a good job. But liturgy, whatever, mm-hmm. written prayers, I was like, I don't resonate with any of this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I heard a sentence. I was at a conference and a guy said, um, David Taylor is a, He's a great guy to follow on Twitter or um, look up online. It's called like the arts pastor, David O. Taylor, David O. o. Taylor, yeah. the arts pastor, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cause that's kind of a common name. David Taylor, David O. period Taylor. Okay. Yeah, I think that's, that's where you find the difference, okay. uh, but really neat guy. And he said that if the church won't tell the world what time it is, the culture will be happy to. And he gave this talk about like, do we want to learn what love is from Valentine's day or do we want to learn what love is from Easter or good Friday? And do we want the beginning of our year to be January 1st or the beginning of football season, which it's like all this optimism and I'm going to do it this year. Or do we want the beginning of our year to be Advent where we um, start our year with preparation and anticipation and humility before a King. Right. Um, And it, something clicked. And I think the experience of the seven or eight months in the liturgical tradition and living in the church calendar um which again like advent christmas so advent is the beginning of the advent is the beginning of the church calendar so Mm -hmm. we are two weeks into the beginning of this year and Mm -hmm. and six years into this tradition i am more defined by the first sunday of advent Mm. than i am by january 1st Mm -hmm. um the first Sunday of Advent feels like the beginning of my year mm-hmm. and Christ the King Sunday, which is the last day of the year feels like the end of my year. And mm-hmm. that's not, it's At which just, is which day it's the week before Advent. Okay. And you start the year with longing and anticipation for your King. And then it ends with Christ the King and you, you live the story every year. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you, why do you follow? Why do you find it easy to follow uh, the, the church calendar? When you came out of a cult and you felt like you, it, 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 you had to, you had to follow rules. Yeah, two things. One is more Christians. Like since the 
since you know, in the last 2000 years, more, more Christians have lived by the church calendar than haven't. Mm-hmm. Most of the world would come to America and be like, what happened mm-hmm, <laughs> with mm-hmm. American Christianity? Mm-hmm. Um, it is so, because, and th- that's what opened the door for a lot of things like the cult, mm-hmm. um, me and my Bible, and mm-hmm. we'll figure it out mm-hmm. instead of it was very individualistic. Community. So there's something that's actually healing in a worldwide community, mm-hmm. taking communion every week, um, like we believe in the Anglican church, part of the tradition is when we take that meal, we're taking that meal with the worldwide communion of Christians, like in a mysterious mystical way, also through time and space. Mm -hmm. So I'm connected to the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. You can have that connection to the body of Christ through being weird in a cult that calls itself the body of Christ. Right. Or you can take this meal every week. Mm Mm-hmm receive it and be connected through the, the, the bread and the wine. So, um, I think a lot of the longings that I had that I saw a false version of exist in the liturgical tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's open. Like, so does it the, take the pressure off of you to have to figure it all out? I think it's like jazz own? music hmm. or it's like you have a tight structure mm-hmm. that if you have that structure, you can rift off it so many different ways. So you could go to St. Mary's where I am, where we planted a couple years ago. Um, and it's going to feel like, like, so like St. John's in Franklin is an Anglican church that is similar to us. Um, church of the Redeemer that we planted from, um, is similar to us, but you would feel something different in all three. Mm -hmm. Um, but you would see a structure that was like recognizable, but, Oh, like it feels like, like like Rebecca and I went to see King Lear Mm -hmm. recently and the actor playing King Lear on the cover of the bulletin looked very different than, um, the The guy in the play, the guy in the play. And it was very clear that this guy's interpretation of King Lear is different from the guy in the bulletin. Right. And it made me think of liturgy. Mm. If you come to St. Mary's, we've got largely the same script. And the prayers, but it's going to feel different because I think each community is going to bring who they are to the expression of that. Right. Um, liturgy. So I think this is an important. Is I this say like a fast food restaurant? Is this like a franchise? <laughs> I hope I not. Don't know. I don't oh, know. God I'm just help us to not be a franchise. <laughs> um, let me say something quickly about why we're named St. Mary of Bethany. Back to the blame question earlier. I think ultimately it, um, it got to the point where I had to blame God for it, which was ultimately that's where all roads go. Don't they? You have to confront that. Mm -hmm. I did. I had to confront that. And I was, um, I had been ordained and right after I was ordained, I was, um, my boss went on a sabbatical. So for 10 weeks, like I think like six weeks after I was ordained, I was acting senior pastor for 10 weeks. And, um, it was going really well on the outside. Like the, you know, I preached nine out of 10 weeks and people were starting to talk like, are you going to plant a church? Are you going to, um, do this? And, um, like things on the outside were going very well, but I was newly ordained. We had three little kids. My, um, dad had been dead less than a year. I was working through so much of that grief. And, um, I, uh, was just coming undone inside internally. And I, um, I told you it was the self-hatred that was in my life. I, I one day Googled self-hatred and, um, one of the, one of the things that came up was you might be mad at God. Hmm. And so I sat on the edge of my bed and said, I'm mad at you. And I think blaming, like ultimately like 
how does the blame not rest with you? Right. Um, if I had your power, I feel like I would do a few things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I was terrified. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm mad at you. I wish I wasn't mad of you, but at you, but if I'm telling you the truth, I'm mad at you. Um, very undramatic, like went downstairs, ate dinner with my family, <laughs> woke up in the middle of the night thinking about Mary of Bethany. Okay. Which I do not wake up at night thinking mm. about Bible characters. Like that is not a normal habit for me. Um, and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I was, <clears throat> I said, you know, I know she's in John 11 when mm-hmm. Lazarus dies. So I got up and read that passage. And, um, for the first time in my life noticed that Martha went out first. I always had assumed Mary did cause she's always doing at the something feet of Jesus, big right? and she doesn't go out. And Martha says to Jesus, if you'd have been here, he'd still be alive. And Jesus has this very composed answer of like, that's right, Martha, but do you believe I'm the resurrection and the life? And they have this very nice theological conversation. And she's like, I do. And then he's like, where's Mary? And I felt like, um, in the story, I sensed God's spirit saying she was too mad to talk to me and I still wanted to talk to her. Mm. That the reason Mary didn't go out was she was angry Mm. at him not being there. Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's your interpretation. Yeah. And I've like found, you know, other people think that too. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he sends for her and, and I do think like her personality, like it doesn't make sense that she's not the first one out there to meet him unless she's got a reason Mm because she's so over the top adoring of him. Um, and so then he says, where's Mary uh, or send for Mary. She goes out and, um, says, if you'd have been here, he'd be alive. And like, that's the first thing Mary feet. says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he breaks mm-hmm. same question mm-hmm. or same statement as Martha made, but something, there's this bond between Jesus and Mary. Um, and he breaks and he weeps and that's the place where he weeps. And, um, he like that weeping doesn't do what he does there justice mm-hmm. in the language. He's foaming at the mouth. He's blubbering. He's just like undone groaning. Right. And, um, I sensed, I think that night God saying, um, I'm angrier than you are, but don't forget what I did. Hmm. And then he raises Lazarus. And then in the next chapter, she's pouring the, um, Chrissy and I had the oil. This, this, yeah, I say perfume, and Chrissy says <laughs> it was oil. <laughs> <laughs> Garbages. Uh, You're better off just agreeing with her. Yes, I know. <laughs> I love Chrissy Nordoff so much. Um, and so uh, he pours the oil, the president presidential diamond, diamond presidential oil. diamond oil. Yeah, um, on on Jesus and uh, um. I, I I just sensed him say, if you ever want to worship me like that, you have to be willing to have integrity with me and tell me how you really feel. Mm. You know, I just basically getting through the lie that I'm protecting God mm. and the idea that I'm never going to worship someone I have to protect because mm. if they need me, why worship? How, them? Why would I need to worship right. them? Yeah. Um, and so I told my wife the next day, Rebecca, I said, um, I never want to plant a church, but if we do, I think it's going to be called St. Mary's mm-hmm. after Mary of Bethany. And I, I, it's for a place for people to do that, mm. um, to worship like that, but to also say, there's nothing I have to protect God from. Mm. And, um, I think in this tradition for me, the Anglican tradition offers this structure that creates safe place for people to do that because mm. we have the liturgy, because we know we're going to pray, because we know we're going to say the Nicene Creed, because we know it ends at the table 
of Christ um, at the Eucharist, like it creates spaciousness for people to bring all that they are knowing it's not going to derail it. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what they, bring. no matter what, like these, there's consistency that provides space for you to bring all of who you are. And you can do that in any setting. I think that it's a little safer. Yeah. And when you've got the structure of the liturgy, uh-huh. um, yeah, it doesn't allow for a human, uh, intervention yeah. to the, the structure. Ultimately, I mean, my sermons are between 15 and 20 minutes mm-hmm. and you're known for crying a lot. In your I sermons. cry a lot in mm-hmm. my sermons. Yeah. And not in my sermons, just, yeah. <laughs> just in general. <laughs> I love it. I, one of the things that endears me to you when I hear you speak is, uh, your sincere love for God, you know? And, um, that's the same reason why I, I love my, my pastor where I go, um, because I know he, mm-hmm. he truly does love God and he means it. Uh, you can't fake it. Mm-mm. You can't. And, um, I heard somebody recently, they said, you can teach people what you know, mm-hmm. but you will reproduce who you are. Um, and I think that's such a great litmus test for pastors and for churches to say, like, are you learning from this person or are you becoming something? And ultimately that's Christ, not us. But like, I think in the cur- current climate, there's so much, um, I just go to learn. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure that's going too well. You reproduce who you, who are. you are. Makes me think of my kids. Makes me think of uh, what, what I'm reproducing at home. Yeah. Um, but also what I'm reproducing in my doTERRA team, for example. Um, and, uh, the fruit of that, you know, and then I start to think, well, you know, I look at all the, the negative things that are going on immediately. Interesting that I go to the, the, failing parts, you know, the parts that are broken. And I think, is that what I've reproduced Mm. or am I reproduce? Am I going to continue to reproduce that? Um, Can I tell you something I've recently read and sort of meditated on that has given me so much freedom in that? Are you going to encourage me? Oh, buddy. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody put your courage t-shirts on for this one. No. Um, you know, with Adam's sin, this, this pattern and this like just inborn thing that fathers and mothers hand down patterns to their kids. Um, I read recently where where it says that, you know, in Jesus, the new Adam, what, what can happen because of his sacrifice and death and resurrection and beginning in him is like, we don't have to, carry on the sins of our fathers Mm -hmm. and the things that we are maybe handing on. Like our kids are not in prison to carry on our, yes, our brokenness. And we're not in prison to carry on our parents' brokenness, but have this gift in Christ to carry on that healing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's amazing. I just love that he stopped that. He gave the opportunity for that to be stopped. It doesn't have to go that way. And it's, it's going to, on some level, continue to go that way. We're going to hand stuff down, but that there is this healing offered. It's such a great, um, remedy to the jumping to the negative and like, Oh, they're going to do this because of me. It's like, maybe not, maybe Maybe. not. Maybe. Um, 
Yeah. And then sometimes you meet people's parents. I remember meeting a, a guy's dad a few years ago, and this guy like was just struggling. I mean, he could, his life was not going well, and I, you know, even some judgmentalism, like, geez, like that guy. And then I met his dad, and I was like, oh man, he's doing great. <laughs> like, he's so far not on that path. Like, I know who you're talking about. I should have about. judged you on a different curve. Like, man, you are a champion. Um, <laughs> I know who you're not talking repeating. about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think maybe we could all. Uh, our parents could probably say that, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. I know there are places where, you know, my dad, like I'm, some things have been corrected and, mm-hmm. um, things are definitely going to have to be corrected with, uh, my kids when they launch, but just mm-hmm. the hope, mm-hmm. um, and to, to, um, create those new patterns. Yeah. How can we, how, how can we survive without having a hope greater than ourselves? I couldn't, um, it's you're right. It's like, it's that, it's that place of, uh, laughter at, you know, ultimately even God, I think, you know, when he tells Abraham, um, you're going to have a child mm-hmm. and he's an old man. Right. And then he's like, name him <laughs> laughter. Yeah. Like I'm sort of telling a cosmic joke yeah, right. and the jokes on the proud. Mm. Um, and the punchline is the humble and the, you know, the hundred year old people are having kids. So like, <laughs> laugh a little. Yeah. Um, that hope that comes from believing God is telling an absurd story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Uh, and it's alive today. Yeah. Uh, for each one of us, that's the, the amazing wonder of it. Um, mm-hmm. so Danny, if you were to, and we're kind of coming to the end of this yeah. conversation, if you were going to summarize, uh, all that we've talked about and summarize your story in some takeaway, some takeaways that people hmm. can, 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 can take away from your story. What would they be? I think of, um, when Jesus talks to Thomas after his resurrection and he tells him to put his hands in the wounds um, and he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy spirit. You know, that story in there, I think mm-hmm. it's like John 21. He breathes John on the 20. disciples. Yeah. And I think what Jesus is trying to get in their imaginations is, um, the way that he breathed into Adam and said, fill the earth. Mm-hmm. He's breathing on them mm-hmm. and saying, here's new life and put your hands in the wounds. And what he's saying is, um, look what my father does with wounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the healing of the nations, the healing of the world goes forward from Jesus saying, um, death can't get you. Mm. There's a part of you that they can't get. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like, again, like most protected. That's where he says, if you forgive them, they're forgiven. If you don't, they're not. Mm-hmm. I think like he's giving them a hint, like protection is through forgiveness, mm-hmm. um, a power that can't be stopped. And I, so I think that, the like maybe the main concept of my life is it, Henry Nowen has a book called the wounded healer. Um, I think my Myers Briggs type is called the wounded healer. <laughs> oh really? Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. What is your so, Myers Briggs type? Curious. I N F P I N F P. Yeah. It's something like 3% of the mm-hmm. world or something. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, the wounded healer, you're a pretty and, special guy. Oh man. Yep. Only child. Who can laugh and cry in the same breath? <laughs> the wounded healer. Mm. Uh, 
Um, but I think that I don't, I like Christ is the ultimate wounded healer. And I, I believe he has, um, allowed me to know him Mm -hmm. in the fellowship of sufferings. And I've seen his healing come through redeemed wounds. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think that's how I'd summarize my life. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I guess I, I mean, I have to throw gratitude in there. I just, I have been protected Mm -hmm. through so much. Yeah. We talked a little bit about Mm -hmm. some of them today, but, um, I have no other reasonable explanation to be like a happy, healthy person <laughs> um, other than the grace of God and just a lot of protection. And One last thing you were telling me uh, over lunch, I fed you before we, <laughs> I never feed my guests. Um, but uh, lunch I think and it's, a t-shirt it's a, and a t-shirt lunch mm-hmm. and a t-shirt cookies. What's, what does it say on the t-shirt? Courageous community.com. Uh, <laughs> and a big lion. Um, <coughs> you've been, uh, you, you, we're all on a journey, uh, with God and you've been on a journey of prayer. Yeah. Would you mind sharing, uh, what yeah. you've been doing the last three months? So can I, yeah, I, can I tell a funny part of that? Like I, no, no okay. jokes. So I was watching Batman Begins. Of course, as you first, do. Um, Batman as you with do. Christian Bale with my son Joshua. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of trauma and anger around pastors. Like, okay. Like, to become yes. a pastor is like, how on earth did this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, the most pain in my life came from one of you. <laughs> right. Like, how can I possibly right. be that? And in that um, movie, Christian Bale, Bruce Wayne is in prison. Mm-hmm. And uh, Liam Neeson's character goes, I won't tell you who it is. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. But... Uh, Liam Neeson goes and he asks Christian Bale, do you hate criminals so much that you get locked up to fight them from Mm. the inside? Mm. And I was like, Oh no. Mm. Like, is that why I became a pastor? Mm. And I talked to two of my friends who are therapists and I was like, this like hit pretty close. Is that what happened? And Mm. both of them were like, that is not the whole story, but that's in there. And it's good (laughs) that you're paying attention to it. Right. And so there's this part of me that has this, um, um, sort of Batman complex in the world of like something bad happened to me when I was a kid, I'm going to make sure bad people don't do it to other people. Hmm. And a lot of my energy in caring for others has come from that place. Mm-hmm. Um, as I get closer to 40 and realize the toll that doing this work of caring for a community and being in people's pain with them takes, um, I realized like that, that motivation isn't going to work like it's going to burn out. So Mm -hmm. I need new motivation. And so I started meeting with a spiritual director once a week and I'm doing nine months of spiritual exercises with her, the Ignatian spiritual exercises and, um, committing to, to try to pray for an hour a day. Mm -hmm. And I don't always do it, but, um, and you get the, when you meet with her, you get your kind of your exercises for the week. I get my exercises for the upcoming week and we process the week, the week, the, the previous week. And, um, it's and, been it's, amazing to, um, to feel that shift to, to want less energy. Can I, one more movie reference, Kylo Ren, when he's fighting Ray, mm-hmm. um, he's got a wound on his hip and he needs energy to keep fighting. So he just starts smacking that wound. Right. Yep. Um, I don't want to start you're anymore. referencing star Wars. No, like last Thursday. <laughs> In oh. Nashville. Yes. In Star Wars. <laughs> Gosh, you're messing no, with me. No, my friend Kylo, have you not met him? <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. In in Star Wars. So um, I just recognized myself in that scene. Mm. I was like, oh man, I know how to get energy from the wounds. Mm. And I have sensed God 
begin to heal that and to be that that's less of a temptation. Like when the energy is coming from, from it's God. coming from God's love mm-hmm. and, um, an assurance of my, uh, standing with him. And I think for so long, I believed he was constantly rejecting me and the temptation to operate out of a lot of rejection and being misunderstood and the acceptance of God mm-hmm. has been, um, one of the really beautiful things to come out of this prayer. So an hour a day, yeah, uh, follows the um, and it follows the church calendar. Sort you of. know, so this is my first time doing it. My spiritual director has tied it to the timing of the church calendar. I don't know that that's always how it happens, but we started. It's the, the Ignatian what Ignatian exercises or spiritual disciplines. Okay, okay. I'm curious about it because it's, yeah, we well, maybe we can do another courage cast. We could. Uh, <laughs> um, no, you're. I I have to. Speaking of blame. I blame you for the courage cast. I, it's I can I let me tell you, I, you're the one. It's your fault. And maybe I need to go through some Ignatian exercises yeah. myself. But Ultimately, it's your fault. You're going to end up blaming God and then playing the church. It's your fault that I started watching the TV show Lost. Yes, which and, I referenced. Yeah, a few minutes good ago. job. Yeah, that was and, for you. Yeah, and the others. And then it's your fault that I started watching The Walking Dead. And, um, I'm saying this with very dry humor. Um, but then it's your fault that I started the Walker stalkers and it's your fault that I, (laughs) (laughs) he's inching closer to me every time he says, right. For those of you who can't see. And, uh, and, uh, then of course the subsequent, my fall from all of that. Um, no, I actually, um, I thank you for that uh, because one of the things I love about you is you, you help me to, I love your references to movies and film and TV and because of the, because of the obvious human uh, relatable emotions and experiences that we have that you can kind of relate to. And, and that's, so whenever you recommend a show to me, I typically Breaking Bad typically yes. will watch it. Is, is everybody seeing sort of a dark theme? Yeah, <laughs> you know, some, some lot of darkness that I've gotten into. It's going to come out somewhere, friends. Yeah, uh, Black Mirror is oh another boy. one. Thanks, Ooh. thanks a lot for Let's that get one. The first episode. <laughs> thanks for if that one. If you're mentioning my recommendation, <laughs> season one, episode one. Avoid. So I will. Yes, it is absolutely one. What was that called? Like the United States of America or something? Or oh man, something. Patriotic, no, but yeah, something. Patriotic. Yeah, don't watch that one. Is that the pig one? It's the pig one. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, guys, um, I do blame Danny for that, but but it but it's all part of it. Um, it's you know, life is messy, and uh, thank the Lord, He is in the mess, um, and uh, He can meet us there um, if we allow Him to, uh, to 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 go there with us. Um, yeah. So, uh, Danny, thank you. We can talk about a lot of other things, uh, yeah. many other podcasts to come, hopefully. I would love to. Uh, and by the way, if you have a few more minutes, mm-hmm. uh, Danny, yes, uh, we're going to play the music here and finish up the Courage Cast. But after the music, if you would like to stick around, we have a special bonus, kind of like a hidden track. Sort of more important to who I am than... Right. Of this we have a hidden track. So if you want to stick around and listen, we have another little mini story that we're going to share and then we really will be done. But for now, uh, thank you, Danny Bryant of St. Mary of Bethany. 
Parish. Look at that. Did I get it right? You did. Is there a website we can find more about you? Yeah, it's uh, stmarys, St. Mary's, mm-hmm. Nashville.com. Okay, St. Mary's, Nashville.com. Uh, thank you for being with us, Danny. This has Thanks been an amazing story, and I um, appreciate you sharing it and being sensitive uh, about it. And, and I know people are going to be impacted by it. So share and talk about this in the Courageous community. Um, I will invite Danny into the courageous community. Uh, but if you listen to after the music, (laughs) he will not be seen as Danny. Sort of got an interesting entry into the courageous community. He's got a different Facebook profile than, than the normal one. So that's it for now, friends. Uh, I'm Eric Nordoff and you're listening to the courage cast. So we're back, we're back on the hidden track of Courage Cast. Never done Who these. Who are before. you with now? Are you with Danny or well, are you with I, Butters? I am. <laughs> I am. Let's introduce you as Butters Nordhoff. Good to be here. Good to see you, Butters. Why are you named Butters, and what is this story all about? What year? on Facebook? What year did we meet as Butters? You we met in two thousand. Two thousand one. Who are you talking to, Danny or Butters? Oh, Butters. Yeah. <laughs> well, Butters. Butters came into my life. Through your dad, through my dad, <laughs> through your your owner actually was <laughs> your father. Um, I mean Danny Bryant's father. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. Father Danny. This is so yeah, weird. So, anyways, Eric got a dog. Yes, and the dog got worms. Uh-huh. And the dog was related to the dog your dad had. Yeah, um, which should have been your first. <laughs> clue that this wasn't a great endeavor if i had to do it all over again things yeah. would have happened differently so the dog got worms and how long butter did the nut. dog live here his name butter is butternut nordoff well i didn't have a last name he for him but his name was butternut he, he was a, a he was a part he's a puggle. Uh, beagle and pug puggle mm-hmm. puggle puggle and so butter was was at your house for like three weeks six weeks six weeks um Three happy weeks. He got worms. <laughs> Three bad weeks. He was a you puppy. gave him away. You put him to, at a farm, mm-hmm. and so I created a Facebook page and I think a blog. You started off with a blog, a blog, and then it became a Facebook page. Uh-huh. Um, as with many people who were blogging and Facebooking in <laughs> this the is 2007. Early yeah, that's who didn't take that path. Uh-huh. Blog to Facebook. Yeah. Um, but Butters Nordoff is your dog, and he is friends with you, mm-hmm. and he has seen you through the Hurley years and he's mm. now on the keeper journey. Yes. Um, and uh, not doing well. Like Butters is a bitter, bitter, dark. He's dog. bitters. He's eight years. He's now, he's probably nine years old. Bitters Nordoff. And I'm th- waiting for his dog years to oh, be over. Man, Butters is not going anywhere, but he, I think, I think he needs to start Butters cast. See, the thing, <laughs> the thing about Don, Danny is that he, he does practical jokes with me. I mean, from early days, the, thing way we've bonded is you've done practical jokes well, yes some you, pretty scary ones you jump on my cars you invade my house <laughs> you break in cry <laughs> and think your house was haunted twice <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> danny finds ways to find just the sensitive most sensitive things in our lives why are we still friends with you i don't know but um courage yeah it's taken a lot of courage but um yeah so Butters was just another outpouring of the prankiness 
in yeah. you. And so Butters sort of harasses you for abandoning him. Mm-hmm. I think I think that Danny works out a lot of his abandonment issues uh, through Butters. <laughs> yes. There's some stuff going on there. Yes. Yeah, so also making fun of social media a little bit with Butters. Mm-hmm. Um, you but, got a love-hate relationship with social media. Yeah. You personally. Oh, yeah. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't, I don't think it's doing good things to us. But, um, but Butters, it's been nothing but healing for Butters. <laughs> So, so Butters will be in the in the Courage community. Butters, I'll let him are, in are you as sure long as he's nice. You want Butters in the Courage community? I reserve the right. I'm an admin, and I reserve the right to remove Butters okay. if he I becomes. I think that's wise. Butters yeah. needs to know that he needs to have boundaries. Yeah, but that also could be like a boundary that gives him more permission. Like, well, I got away with that. <laughs> You're. It's you kind of like leaving the cult. Uh, it's gonna. It's my, my new process. It, it goes back to the seed of rebellion. USC not being able to be allowed. To go to that game. It's, if I'd have gone to that game, I would be the cult leader. Today. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There would be no butters. Oh. No. But anyway. Yeah. So butters will be in the community. Okay. And uh, I, I, I don't like just fair, fair warning. Like I probably won't accept friend requests. <laughs> Can I be in the f- community and not be friends? Yeah. Because sure. it's basically like your family. It's just a private group. Yeah. No, uh, I mean like Butters. Mm-hmm. He's not like interested in friendship. Right. <laughs> He's <laughs> interested Facebook. in expressing his abandonment issues. He needs issues. the world to know that Eric was not a good father. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's nothing going on with me in my story. In that. No, he he might have lost the battle, but he's going to win he's the war. He's going to win the war. Yeah. Uh, Butters is going to post a picture today. Um, oh, is he? Um, of Keeper. <laughs> the picture of the day? Yeah, picture keeper of the day. Keeper pick of the day. He's never been happier to see Keeper, keeper in his crate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, guys, if you are listening um, and you can accept our weirdness, uh, Butters will be the one responding. And that's actually Danny Bryant, pastor. Danny maybe Bryant. we can be friends. I mean, send a note with it and maybe Butters will right, be friends. Right, if well, it really matters to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm friends with a guy from Walker Stalkers. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think just one. Yeah, well, there's some there's some very cool people in the Walker Stalker community. Yeah. Well, guys, um, that truly is it. Thank you, Danny, again for Butters for joining us, and uh, uh, more good things to come. Bless you. Peace. <laughs>